This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by GoGo's Bootcamp. Are you a real estate agent looking for the best social media training program on the planet? GoGo Bethke is considered the top Instagram realtor in the country, and her step-by-step training program will take your social media game to the next level. She's so confident there's a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. Keeping It Real listeners receive a special discount, so please visit gogopodcast.com. That's G-O-G-O podcast.com for your special discount. And now on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And today is our monthly series called Closing Time with Chris Linsell at The Close. Now, this is a partnership with TheClose.com. Let me tell you a little bit about The Close if you're not familiar. Uh, First, The Close is a new kind of real estate website designed to give agents, teams, and brokerages actionable strategic insight from uh, industry professionals. They cover real estate marketing, lead gen, technology, and team building strategies from the perspective of working agents and brokers who want to take their business to the next level. Please visit theclose.com and subscribe to their newsletter so you can get notified each time they publish an article. Uh, Now, from the close, we have Chris Linsell. Uh, Chris is the close's resident expert on real estate topics ranging from marketing, lead generation, transactional best practices, and everything in between. He's a licensed agent in the state of Michigan. Uh, Chris has been part of hundreds of real estate transactions from modest rural starter homes to massive waterside compounds. Uh, when he, I would like to go to one of those massive waterside compounds, by the way. Um, now it's now that it's uh, the dog, we're getting into the, the, uh, the, the hotter part of the year. Uh, but when, he, when Chris isn't writing, you'll find Chris fly fishing, which I would also like to do, uh, in the trout streams of Michigan or on stage in his community theater's latest production. Chris, welcome once again to the show. DJ, thanks for having me. And you've got a standing invitation to, to come on up. Uh, oh, you don't want to make that because I will actually show up. So uh. <laughs> I got, I, I've got an extra set of fly gear in the garage. We can be in a stream in six hours from right I want, now. Yeah, I want the, the waiting, uh, the, the big waiting trousers. So I got them. I got upset. Great. I, I, I've never done that. I would like to. Yeah. Um, well, thank, thanks for once again being on the show. And we're, we're huge fans of the close. Every mm-hmm. article you guys put out, and I, I say that without, without hyperbole, um, is an excellent, excellent article that I think would really benefit any agent looking to increase their business or just get develop a, a different skill set to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm such a huge fan of the site and we're glad to have you. Well, it's a really uh, a pleasure to be with you again, and uh, uh, definitely excited to continue to be a part of the uh, a part of the cast of of uh, keeping it real because uh, we we love what you guys are working on too. It's it's oh thanks a lot of fun to to be with you here. So we're we're in very challenging or, or difficult times mm-hmm. right now with. Uh, obviously, the economy is is still you know uh, ebbing and flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, We've got uh, the pandemic. We, we've had the unfortunate incidents, uh, incidences in, in Michigan. I'm sorry, in Minnesota that have reverberated around the country. We're sort of right now, um, as we're recording this, still sort of in the middle of that. Um, and of course, we're talking about real estate. Um, yeah. So 
I would like to sort of get your thoughts on on anything and everything related right now to to real estate. Sure, sure. Well, so I think I think I just I want to cover a lot of different stuff in this conversation, but I want to first start off by pointing out. I don't know if if you've been keeping an eye on this, and I know this is a little bit of a curveball. I know we didn't really talk about this, so sure. So so be ready here. Um, but I, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but the uh, the stock market recently does not seem to notice that there's like two national emergencies happening right now. Have you been following this at all? The, the, the last two weeks, I've been very, the one, if there is one thing that's been positive in my life, um, it has been, I look at my accounts every day and I go, oh, hey, look at that. What, how and why is the market up? But it is, or that's it has a- been. Yeah. I've been I've been having those same experiences, those same strange. Oh, that's that's interesting. Over breakfast, and one thing I think, I, like I just wanted to mention in this, in this context, is that those markets and the behavior of those markets um, often are relatively independent to a lot of external factors that you think would affect that sort of thing, um, but you know, housing doesn't normally flow that way. Housing is relatively affected by the things that are going on because housing is so affected by consumer confidence and the sentiment, you know, just kind of the basic uh, attitudes and feelings of of people that are living in our country right now. So, um, you know, I, I have had some conversations over the last couple of days with people about how housing Boy, if it boy it just follows the stock market, we're we're in great shape. We dodged a bullet, and I'm not I I don't I'm not being a doomsday sayer. I don't think that that's necessarily impossible, but I think we should just you know all keep keep calm and carry on here because uh, we don't have a reason to celebrate just yet. Well, I think there's a lot of factors, uh, you know, sort of converging. I'm not sure how they're converging, but you have mm-hmm. you have unemployment, which is, you know, some some say it could get up to as high as 20 percent, mm-hmm. which has got to affect the housing market, I would assume it, it's some Absolutely. Point. And then you also have uh, people who have been all of us have been staying indoors and a lot of us have have been planning to, to make moves either prior to the pandemic or mm-hmm. what, during the pandemic. We thought, OK, maybe it is time to, you know, to move to a, a different area or a different type of property or a larger property. Um, so there's just a lot of things hitting us at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm almost wondering is now as restrictions have started easing, at least here in Illinois, I don't, I don't, a Michigan has to have gotten uh, mm-hmm. a, a bit uh, eased up. I'm wondering if there's just a lot of people that were ready to go and now they're ready to go. And if we won't see the actual impact of, of all of the unfortunate events that have happened, you know, in the last uh, several months, maybe those won't ha- hit us for a while. I, I really don't know. I'm curious to get your take. Yeah, I, I think that you're probably right on that. And I think it's important to remember, um, for all of us to remember that um, housing has a long tail, uh, especially when it comes to the negative effects, the external effects of, of macro economies on housing. Because remember, if somebody, let, let's just think about, uh, you know, your average homeowner in the United States, if they miss a mortgage payment, the sheriff isn't knocking on their door the next day to 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 kick them out onto the street. The the typical right. foreclosure process is many months and in some case years long, um, depending on the scenario. And when you add in uh, a variable like the mortgage forbearances that have been a part of um, the economic. Uh, 
uh, relief uh, that the the U.S. government has been has been attempting to to uh, administer. It is really throwing wild cards into the timetable for this sort of event. So, you know, you're I think you're 100 percent right that the the understanding when and how we'll see effects of of the last uh, three to four months on the U.S. housing market. It's really impossible to say right now, but I think it's safe to say that there will be effects. We just have to be watching and waiting at this point. Yeah, we've we have 700 realtors at, at our firm, and we although a lot of them are part time, sort of to to be perfectly uh, forthright. Mm-hmm. So our production uh, throughout the pandemic, in particular, um, didn't really move that much because mm-hmm. we don't really have uh, a lot of top top producers who are doing a hundred plus deals a year, and mm-hmm. and you know those those brokers were were certainly at least in our local area here those brokers were affected quite a bit um the brokers who are part time who are doing a few transactions a year you know seem to be able to still maintain that that volume because obviously it's much easier to maintain that volume mm-hmm. um so we haven't personally in, in in our company we haven't seen much of a a downturn um however maybe we're not the best metric uh, mm. the way that our, our structure is set up because we don't have a lot of those bigger hitters. Yeah. Um, so, I well, know. I mean, I can tell you the, the latest data to come out of, um, uh, boy, who was it? I, I think it's uh, black Knight who, who, uh, is, is involved in the mortgage administration. Um, I believe they, the latest figures coming to come out of them was that 4.7 million mortgages in the United States were currently in forbearance. That's almost wow. 9% of homeowners. So um, yeah. who knows exactly what's going to happen when we really are in uncharted territory. Uh, so we'll just have to wait and see. And speaking of uncharted territory, um, or maybe not so uncharted, I guess, depending on how you look at it, the the events, the Black Lives Matter protests and yeah. the subsequent riots uh, that have followed those protests adding another layer to this, uh, you know, not so appetizing cake we've got sitting in front of us. Right. So uh, it's, it it really is going to create some, some serious, uh, some serious, um, uh, like I said, uh, mysteries as far as what the, what the outcome is going to be. But you know, the, the best we can do is watch and wait and continue to prepare. Yeah, it's it's it seems to be that yeah nobody seems to really know what's going to happen. Um, I, I will tell you, I've been speaking over the last few weeks to top producers as we always mm-hmm. do on the show, and even the own top producers at our firms. Uh, they seem, and, and again, I'm this is hyper a hyper local Illinois Chicago mm-hmm. thing because mm-hmm. that's where I'm at, and they seem to be busier than ever. There's there's and I I think that again is mostly people that were were ready to make the, a move uh, prior to the pandemic. And then now are maybe more able to, to go visit properties, mm-hmm. make uh, offers. We're, we're seeing lots of multiple offer opportunities these days. Um, but again, I don't know how long that's going to last either. Um, yeah. I mean, rates rates are still really low too. So that's mm-hmm. another a layer of complexity is, is you have these, you know, seemingly um, positive signs and, and negative signs kind of, merging mm. and um i guess we'll we'll have to wait and see what what happens absolutely now i i think it's important to say too that i am not uh, like in a i'm not in a negative mindset uh about real estate as a whole in fact 
I'm relatively bullish uh, about oh, the whole right. thing. I, I mean, truthfully, a lot of people, when a lot of people are back on their heels, I think this is the time to be on your toes as a real estate professional and honestly, as a buyer or a seller uh, as well. Because um, when, um, when a good chunk of, of, uh, of an economic group, whether they're home buyers or sellers or real estate agents, when a good chunk of those people are back on their heels, the people who stay on their toes wind up advancing their progress a little faster than they would be otherwise. So, you know, for any agents that are listening to this that are considering how they can speak to their clients right now, I always, you know, I'm encouraging my clients right now to think about the opportunities. If you're still in a position to buy or sell the opportunities now that you have um, as a result of lower competition. Um, if you are a seller, um, you have less properties to compete with um, on the market. And if you are a buyer, uh, there's still a lot of buyers out there, but think about the fact that now money is cheaper to borrow. Yeah. You you have less competition when it comes from the mortgage uh, kind of angle of your transaction and um, less pressure to try and squeeze the ideal home into a particular price point. So there are opportunities right now. And if you are still in a position to take advantage of those, now's a good time to do it. Yeah, I think it's a great time to, and we've, we've said this on, on previous uh, episodes before, but it probably bears repeating. I've probably said it on about every episode I've done for the last few months, mm. but now is the time to deepen connections with your sphere yeah. of influence, with your contact list. You know, even now, um, again, uh, you know, maybe not specifically this week or today with, with a lot of the, um, you know, the, the, the racial uh, issues that are happening that are, you know, very important and needing to be addressed um, here as, as a country. But, but back to when, you know, whenever you're able to focus and work on your business, this is such a great time to check in, um, you know, with, with the people that are, are in your contact database and, and just see how they're doing, see how they're feeling. For example, this, we were talking about this before we went on the air. Um, Chris was asking, you know, sort of how things were going here in Chicago. Chicago was very badly hit um, and, and damaged by by some of the rioting that, that's been happening. And I happen to live right right near where that happened. And it's been a very scary time just for my own physical safety. And I'm not somebody that normally deals with a lot of uh, physical, uh, th thankfully, I'm not somebody that on a day-to-day -day basis deals with um, my own fear of, of being injured. Um, but I, I had legitimate fear. I, I saw things that that were very violent um, right in front of me. And and so I've been dealing a lot with that. And, and, you know, I'm a good example of, I'm not a practicing realtor myself, but boy, it would have been nice um, if, if I had a realtor, I, I would be my own realtor, but if I had one, it would have been nice for them to reach out and say, hey, I know you're right down there in the middle of it. How are you doing? Yeah. Um, that, would have, that would have meant a lot to me. And, and again, that's, that's not the purpose of, of any of the protests and it's not about me, but just as thinking about it from how do I deepen my connections with my clients or my contacts, what mm -hmm. a great opportunity just to check in with people and very delicately, but, but with empathy and, and compassion and see how everyone's doing. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't, I didn't get a lot of, I didn't get, I mean, my friends and family asked, but that was, that was it. And that was enough, but it would be nice to have some of the other professionals, um, in my life, reach out to see how I'm doing and they didn't, and that's okay. But mm -hmm. what a great opportunity for someone just to, to feel a little less alone, to be able to vent some frustration or, or, you know, talk about how they're feeling and, mm -hmm. you know, so, yeah, you know, I, that's a really good point. And actually I, 
I think I'm going to challenge you a little bit here because you you said to you said just a second ago that this wasn't you know the the this this wasn't necessarily I, I don't remember the exact phrase that you used but you said something along the lines of this wasn't exactly what these protests or riots were about you know real estate sure. itself but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back a little bit and say that there is a related element here that all real estate professionals need to think about and it is just a further way and a further reason why we should be connecting with our clients right now and and yeah. here's here's what i mean there the the racial injustice uh and police brutality and other you know explicit issues that black lives matter is confronting right now these are very specific and in your face issues but it's important to remember that these issues don't they didn't emerge out of a vacuum they came as they they came to the maturity that they they currently live in <clears throat> excuse me as a result of a dozen or more contributing factors uh that have created this environment for them to fester and and grow in and one of those contributing factors i'm ashamed to say is housing discrimination Sure. It is it is something that we don't like to think about as as being a part of our industry. Um, but according to the National Fair Housing Alliance, um, they, they did a report last year that in 2018, there were more fair housing complaints than there were since they started tracking this data. Yeah. We're, going, we're going in the wrong direction on this. And more than one out of every five complaints comes from some a person of color complaining that they are not being provided this equal opportunity to properties, services, or financing um, as a result of their race. And this is a time that we as real estate professionals can connect with our clients uh, regardless of who they are especially our clients of color and and, and yeah. say listen i am an advocate and an ally for you now is a time where we have we have an open dialogue right now amongst all people and when i say open dialogue i don't just mean everybody talks i mean some people are going to be listening as a part of this dialogue we can be that person to reach out to our clients and say listen i'm an ally for you in this i believe in your uh, inalienable right to equal access to these things. How can I better serve you right now? And that, you know, that can be a very powerful statement for real estate professionals right now. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. And this is, this is a time where, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, these issues were, were largely, well, they've been ignored for for hundreds. I mean, really, hundreds of years. Yeah. Um, and there's been system systemic oppression, uh, you know, here in this country for for people of color, and and it's uh, it's come to to a, a head. You know, like you said, a confluence of a lot of uh, factors. And now, and and also, I remember when I first started in real estate. Um, in I'm really in marketing uh, here in real estate. And I remember one of our realtors came to us and said, "This is ten years ago," and said, "I have a landlord who I represent. I I do his or her. I think it was a him a leasing for his, his units, and he will not rent to people of a certain 
ethnicity. I, I don't remember if it was black or I, mm -hmm. or I think it was, but whatever it was, he was discriminating based on race or, or some factor. Mm -hmm. And the agent said, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had to educate the, the realtor on, you know, you have to say goodbye to that client, which they already sort of knew they, but they wanted mm -hmm. to make sure they were protected uh, sure. in case, because, the, you know, but it's absolutely a present thing. Um, yeah. And whether it's, discussed much or not. Um, mm -hmm. I think real estate agents probably, once you've been in the, the business long enough, you'll come across a scenario where yeah. you just won't believe it. And you'll go, yeah. oh my gosh, this is a thing. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I, I know this is going to sound kind of crazy to say, but I wish, truthfully, I wish that every instance of housing discrimination was that overt because it would be right. so much easier. You know, it, I, I don't know if, if you're, I, I don't know if you're a dog person. Uh, I, I have one underneath my desk right now. Perfect. Okay. So yeah, a little six pound I, chihuahua who's 12 years old and getting old. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So um, the living in Chicago, this might not apply necessarily to you, but um, I, I don't think you run across a lot of porcupines in Chicago. Not many. Okay. So it is a lot easier to identify the problem, if you've got a dog that gets stuck with the porcupine quills, you can see those quills and you can pluck those out. Yeah. If you've got a dog that gets sprayed by a skunk, you don't know where that smell is. You know that the dog stinks, but you, you don't know exactly where to wash this dog. Right. And that that is honestly, maybe that's a, a, a silly way to, to draw this analogy, but when it comes to discrimination, housing discrimination, the overt housing discrimination, the porcupine quills that we can see and pluck out, those are upsetting and challenging, but they're things that we can cut out and, and move on from. It's the, it's the skunk smell that is the, the subtle sorts of um, neighborhood steering or, yeah. red, or redlining or blockbusting that occurs on a relatively under the surface level that make this such a pernicious problem in our industry. And, and here's a good example of what I mean by this. Let's say you've got a bad actor in the real estate space who is steering people of color into a particular neighborhood. And though it is relatively subtle, this person will choose to show properties in these neighborhoods, in particular neighborhoods and not offer properties in other neighborhoods, which eventually starts to concentrate people of color into particular neighborhoods. Sure. And that alone is a problem right there. But if you then take that problem and you account for the fact that these people are also victims of systemic disadvantage, like less yeah. access to education or pay inequity or less um, less access to socioeconomic support, mm -hmm. all of a sudden you have a concentrated pocket of, of um, people who are dealing with really significant issues. And it is shown time and time again, when you have those concentrated pockets of challenge in people's life, it gives rise to poverty, to joblessness, to crime, to mental health issues, to a lack of social mobility. I mean, and all of that is contributed directly to a real estate agent who is saying, I don't want people who look like that living in this neighborhood. And that's something we have a direct impact on as professionals, and we need to be more active on combating. 
Yeah, that's a really strong point. It's, um, it's goes, it's, it's oftentimes, like you said, it's the skunk smell. It's an invisible thing. It's subtle. Um, it's not as obvious, uh, to easily point out as you were saying, you know, with the porcupine, um, when it's an obvious landlord saying, I don't work, I won't rent to black people. There's a pretty obvious thing to do there. And there's a way to spread the word and there's a way to file complaints. And yeah. And we, we know what to, well, we might not necessarily know what to do, but we know how to get resources to find what to do. Mm -hmm. um, but but the more subtle uh, stuff um, that, that an agent may be doing because they might think, well, my client is a certain type of person. Um, they're going to want to live with other types of people just like mm -hmm. them yeah. um, in, in, you know, in, in wealth or, or in, in race or, or, you know, sexuality mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, it, it, it really does become a thing where we in Chicago is, is certainly no exception where we have pockets, you know, where are, they are very homogenous mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, whatever, uh, you know, category you fit into, you mm -hmm. can find a pocket of that here. And um, you can easily, you know, find a property there or find an agent that will put you into that area. Mm -hmm. um, and and you're right, it, it sort of just begets more and more, um, uh, you know, homogeny, I guess, or yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, you know, one thing that I always try to do on the close, and by the way, actually, I, I want to mention the close um, has made a commitment uh, to not only to feature more agents of color in, um, in agent feature articles, as well as work to provide bylines um, to uh, black real estate agents and writers on our site. We've also committed to um, writing more content about housing discrimination um, in order to create a larger awareness uh, around this particular issue and how it contributes um, to the issues at hand. And I think that is right there, that that last point is something that I think all agents can do right now uh, uh, is this, the first step in figuring out the solution to one problem. And I'm not saying the problem, I just mean little problems. The first step is, is educating yourself and talking about it. And more than talking about it, listening about it, listening to people who are experiencing it, listening to people who have experienced it in the past and understand what you as a professional can do. Um, you know, there is no way this, this is, like I said, this is a multi-spoke problem and there is no way that one agent or one website or one podcast, or even an entire industry of agents is going to solve one problem on their own. It's going to require a, a, you know, like a cacophony of voices that all are contributing towards, towards a solution together, but we won't be contributing unless we're actually speaking up. So I'm really challenging listeners right now and my, my followers on social media and, and uh, readers of the close do not be inactive right now. Um, activity can be can just mean listening. It can mean educating yourself. It can mean talking to your local MLS or your local professional organization and saying, tell me about how this happens in our communities and tell me what needs to change in order for it to be better. That is a good first step in understanding your role in helping this to be fixed but it's not go we're not going to start moving in the other direction until we're all starting to think about it yeah i i remember about 15 years ago i was watching 
a 60 minutes piece where a, I believe a Harvard researcher had developed a, a rapid fire test where, uh, and this is again, 15 years ago or so, where you could, um, this, this algorithm, this computer program would ask you rapid fire questions about how you feel about various people. Um, and it would identify, even if unconsciously, uh, you didn't want to be seen as somebody that had bias, because of course, most of us don't want to think of ourselves as somebody mm -hmm. that has any sort of bias. Um, sure. And it, this this pro this computer program was, was has some statistical um, uh, significance to be able to even uh, discount your your wanting to be seen as a as a good person to yourself. And mm -hmm. and so it was a test, and I said, oh, I got to take that because. I do not have any biases. This is perfect. Mm. I am going to prove that this computer program does not work, or at least I'm going to prove that I am a perfect human <laughs> without any any unfair uh, prejudices or thoughts about, about any type of uh, quality of anybody. Yeah. And so I, I took this test and I thought, well, I clearly aced that one because I remember my answers to the questions and it came back and it, and it said, actually, you tend to think a little less of women uh, and their abilities than you mm -hmm. do of men. And I went, and, and I went, well, wait a minute. And I thought, and I went, oh, may, maybe that, maybe that's true. Mm -hmm. And, and this is 15 years ago. And I, I truthfully didn't know that about myself. I wasn't that aware. And yeah. so, I, and I'm not saying, look, all of us are horrible people because you know, I, I do believe that I've not treated women differently than I would treat men, but, mm -hmm. but even identifying your own unconscious biases are mm -hmm. really, really important. I think now, especially what's happening right now, it's a good time to examine, you know, yeah. Hey, where do, where do I maybe not show up in, in a completely fair, mm -hmm. an equitable way? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, where do I have these little nudges that, that, you know, have me treating people maybe slightly differently, or or maybe my clients, I I think of them as as different based on certain factors. Um, this is a great opportunity for us to identify our own issues. Absolutely, yeah. There's there's um I, you'll have to forgive me because I don't remember the exact um uh university that coined this phrase, but there there is just like you're you're saying here. There's a a term for this overt discrimination um that people call door slamming dis discrimination you know it's it's like somebody walks up to your door yeah uh, who's somebody who you don't you don't like you slam the door in their face that's easy to identify it's a porcupine quill right. um it is those those more subtle um unconscious biases that create this culture uh, and this climate where um, we can be contributors without really understanding that we're contributing. And I think that sort of self-awareness is really important. So did, was there anything that you did, uh, if you don't mind me asking, is there anything that you, that you feel like you did to help correct that? You know, um, well, I, I, what I, what I wanted, I first had to wrestle with this. Is this true? Is the, and, and look, the, the data was pretty clear that, it seems it seems to be true, you know, and, and it was very it was subtle, but it was still there. And, and I said, okay, so let's just assume that I'm wrong in my conscious mind, who doesn't want me to be seen as imperfect. Um, mm -hmm. may, maybe there's a chink in the armor here. Maybe, maybe there's, uh, you know, I'm not. Um, I, I do have some some unconscious biases. And and so a, as I started to reflect, the awareness alone was was enough to get me to a sort of just think through my decisions and my behavior uh, towards other people in particular, um, because my biases were around other people. And I started thinking, okay, I started just reflecting uh, in my interactions with people. And I started 
just being aware that, okay, I have a, an unconscious bias to want to do this. Um, I'm not even aware of it. So I'm going to try to bring it to the surface so that if it's unconscious, there's not a whole lot I can do about that. If it's conscious, I can at least, I have a shot of, of, of doing the right thing. And so I, I believe that helped me. I haven't taken the test. Uh, and maybe those biases necessarily don't always go away, but just being aware enough about them might get you to be able to make a different decision when, when confronted with where that unconscious bias might show up. Now it becomes conscious and mm -hmm. you, you might have the ability to just choose differently. And so as far as for me personally, I I'd like to think I, I have, I have made progress, um, but it's so subtle and, and I don't have any overt examples of, well, I used to be a real, you know, not nice person and I would do not mm -hmm. nice things and now I'm nice. It's, it's not that way for me. So it's more yeah. like, you know, every interaction I have, um, I, I, I just think if the person's slightly different from me, okay, am I showing up in a way that is authentic? Am I uh, acknowledging their wholeness as a human, um, you know, and, and what's the right way to proceed here? Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah. I, yeah. that's that's my answer <laughs> i don't know <laughs> well that's that's very thoughtful and and honestly i think that that is the case for most for most people and and i'm gonna you know i can't speak for everybody i certainly won't wouldn't speak for every real estate uh professional but for anyone who's listening to this i think i think we can all identify at least with the feeling of um boy what's the best way to say this I apologize if I'm going to cross a political uh, correctness line here, but please understand that this is, um, I, I'm just trying to communicate an idea here. We all have a certain, uh, there's a particular client. If we all picture our, close our eyes and picture the perfect client archetype, whether it is somebody who is financially secure, whether it is somebody who is, has a timeline that lines up with our lead generation uh, plan of attack. We all have the perfect client in sure. mind. And I think it is natural based on our own experiences to assign other characteristics to that person yeah. as, a, as a part of that process. And that in itself can create some unconscious and unintentional bias. I know it has done that way for me in the past. I'll, I'll give you a, an example. I'll just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to call, hold myself accountable here for, for me in my local market, we are a very racially undiverse area, overwhelmingly uh, uh, Caucasian uh, in my area of Michigan. And so it's not really a matter of discrimination or non-discrimination based on color, because we really don't have much of that opportunity here to do that, even if we wanted to, um, uh, or, or if that was a part of our, our interaction. But here, it's, there's a lot of um, age discrimination that happens, ah, um, because you know, there is a certain that that client archetype that I'm talking about, those people who are the most financially secure, uh, who are, are on my timeline, who are cash buyers, these are typically, um, you know, older people in their like, maybe in their 50s, uh, in their 60s, maybe buying their retirement uh, home, I'll be honest, they're in my head, they're a successful, at least back in the day, they were a successful businessman. And with that, those terms specifically, sure. And I, you know, I didn't realize that I was building this archetype until I started thinking about it. And, and I realized like, if this, if this is who I'm picturing, how could I not be leaning towards 
favoring these clients over other clients. And that was a moment of self-discovery for me that I said to myself, you know what, this is, this is not the way that we offer a fair and balanced market to anybody who wants a place to live. And it was a moment that I, I know I had to, to kind of come to the carpet uh, internally and think about. And this is just another opportunity for us as professionals to think about whether or not we are fulfilling our fiduciary responsibility, not just to our clients, but if you look in the code of ethics of the National Association of Realtors, it states in plain English, black and white, that we have a fiduciary responsibility to our communities to be arbiters of truth and um, the, the gatekeepers really for information about the housing market and that we have to prevent, present that in a truthful, fair and non-biased way. And if, 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 that, if now is a time that you need to reevaluate whether or not that's happening, this is a great time to do a little soul searching and figure out if you need to make some course adjustments. Uh, now's the time to do it because we've got an opportunity here to create positive change. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I think one of the most effective ways, at least for me personally, so for, for many, many years ago, uh, this is a, a different type of, of, of issue that I was having personally, where I, I realized in my life, I didn't have a tremendous amount of empathy. This, is, this goes mm. back many, many, many years. And I realized for people that were suffering in, in any capacity, whether they were a homeless person I passed on the street um, to, to any type of person uh, undergoing some sort of, of, of terrible, uh, you know, um, societal issue or, or economic issue or, or, you know, racial issue, whatever. I just, I didn't, I, I never, I didn't feel a lot for those people. I didn't think negatively of them. I just didn't feel for them uh, as much as I wanted to. And I realized I was, I would walk by here in Chicago, we have, you know, a large homeless population. I would walk by homeless people and I, I wasn't the kind of person that would say, well, they should get a job. Cause I, I was, I knew that, that that's not something someone chooses to, to be. There's a lot of mental health issues, but even if they do choose to be that, that doesn't mean um, I, sh I should have any sort of negative opinion of somebody who is down on their luck and, and struggling. And in fact, the, the right response in my, for me was to, uh, boy, I, I wish I was somebody that could garner more empathy um, mm. and compassion. And so what I did, because I, I truthfully had to confront a, a, an, an unflattering truth about myself, which was, I really didn't feel much for those people. And mm. I felt embarrassed about that. I was ashamed of that. And so mm. I, I started to do some volunteer work because I thought, well, I, you know, maybe if I spent time understanding how tough it is to be homeless, mm. um, then, then that, that, that would just at least give me more understanding and probably more empathy. And I, I, that is exactly why I did it. And, I, and also I felt it was just a nice thing to do was to give back and volunteer. But I thought, boy, this will at least get me to not ignore this issue anymore. And, 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 and I did that for some time and, and I've moved on to, to be participants in, in, in other, other types of organizations that I support. But it was really helpful for me. So um, I think for everyone listening, you know, if you are someone who feels like you've identified a challenge in yourself that you'd like to improve around, um, you know, discrimination, bias, prejudice, um, you know, whether it's in your business or personal life, you know, getting involved and, 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 getting more intimate with those people who are suffering um, will 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 almost certainly make you feel more empathy and you will probably take further action to, to assist them. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, if, if nothing else, what this has done to all of us, uh, or at least for me personally, um, who doesn't have to deal with a lot of these issues, you know, I am a white male, 
Um, I, I have a lot of privilege just assigned to me at birth and I am, you know, beyond uh, grateful to, to have that, but is it fair? It is not. And so, you know, I now have this opportunity to really evaluate, continue to evaluate myself and say, okay, well, where can I provide more value? Where can I give back? How can I help? Um, and what can I go out and do? And where can I devote time and energy and, and maybe even money um, to helping those people? So it's a really great opportunity just to get involved. And I don't want to say great opportunity because it's a very unfortunate opportunity, but it is something that, that we can, you know, think about ourselves and go, what am I doing enough? Am I actually doing something to, to help these issues uh, in my professional life as a realtor, in my personal life as, as a, just a human being, um, as, as a citizen, um, what am I doing to make things better? And, and now is boy, there are, there, all you have to do is look on social media and you will see a tremendous amount of resources posted to, to how to address some of these, at least on uh, the racial issue side, some of those issues and ways you can get involved. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'd really encourage real estate agents, in addition to the, to the sorts of resources that DJ just mentioned, if you are thinking about how you can play a successful, um, positive role in advancing issues like housing discrimination, which is a direct contributor towards the sorts of racial injustice uh, that Black Lives Matter is dealing with now front and center. One of the first things that you can do to have an immediate positive impact is to start talking to the people on your street, in your neighborhood, in your professional association, you know, we all know real estate is a hyper local business. I mean, it's fun to look at the big statistics for the country or for the state or even for the, for the city at large. But we all know that the most important statistics in real estate are the ones that matter to an individual block or to a neighborhood. Um, because ultimately, if you're putting together a CMA for a house, even though it's nice to know what uh, a house of similar square footage sold for in the next county over, that doesn't matter nearly as much as what a house of a similar square footage sold for next door. And it's the same thing with these sorts of issues. The, the solutions start on a micro level and they start uh, with individuals in their own local markets. So go talk to other realtors in your office, talk to them in your professional association, talk to your clients and start these conversations because if everybody started these conversations in their micro markets, that sort of um, that sort of momentum would build to a macro effect that would be um, pretty positive. Yeah, I, I think if we all just focus on one thing we can do, like what Chris was saying, a, a micro um, change or, or you, know, you know, ultimately collectively, if we can, I, you know, I was I was seeing all of the black boxes that were posted on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, by by mostly non uh, people not of color. Um, I, I'm sure there were lots of people of color posting, but I was noticing in particular all of the people who who were white um, posting these black box images. And I and I just hoped. I said I really hope that when we move on as a country to our next uh, you know big uh, news issue, which sadly. Um, if we don't continually talk about this, this will this will you know get pushed under the rug like it has for for so many years. Um, but um, if if we were to you know to take action, if you know and and go out and do something in some capacity that that was you know helping to make things better, I say I really hope everyone who posted those doesn't forget about it in two weeks and 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 continues to 
you know, uh, move, you know, progress that movement and it, whether it's just in yourself and to be a better citizen or, or, or more about your, your local community or, or the, the national community or the global community, how can we, we make things better? I just mm -hmm. hope everyone who's posting right now so feverishly on social media also is out there, you know, thinking about other ways to get involved because every one of those organizations needs, needs people, uh, they need workers mm -hmm. and, um, so get involved, um, and, and whether it's just your local community or your chamber of commerce, or go around talking to business owners about, um, you know, how you can support them from a real estate perspective or your clients. Mm -hmm. This is all all just huge things. They seem small, but they're actually quite big. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. And I'm hoping that the next time we talk, we can talk about the positive effects of those sorts of those sorts of efforts. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, I'm ho I'm hopeful for that as well. And and you know, we now are at a crossroads as a country where hopefully there's going to be a lot of people who will no longer stand for for the unfortunate injustice uh, that has, has been. So yeah, and so and I I applaud you um, and the close for thinking about how in, uh, having more um, you know black voices to be be heard or read mm -hmm. uh, or seen. And and I I you know it's funny I have never thought about that either for my show is, is I was, you were talking about that. I go, I wonder how many people of color I've, I've actually interviewed for the show. Cause I just doesn't, I never think about it. I just look at whoever's the top producer and then we ask them and or they ask us. And it's really just that simple. I've never thought about whether somebody's a man or a woman or what, what their, uh, any other uh, qualities are. And it's like, do I have enough black voices speaking out on my show? And the answer is no, yeah. I don't. So, so it's a challenge for me to find those top producers um, who have, you know, maybe not had as an equal opportunity to have a voice. Yeah. You know, and, and you guys are doing the same thing. I think that's amazing. Well, that's, you know, that's ultimately what we're, what we're shooting for. And uh, a good example of this, and this is one that, again, I'm holding myself accountable to, um, you know, more than 60% of the real estate uh, sales agent population in the United States are female. And yeah. an overwhelming number of um, thought leaders and pundits and people like me who talk about this stuff all the time are white dudes. I mean, it's sure. just, it's just yeah. is, it is the reality of things. And I'm not suggesting that uh, myself or other um, white men in these positions aren't qualified to talk about it, but it does uh, lead us to a question of, you know, if we are not representing the population of professionals here, whose, whose voices and whose perspectives could we be reaching out for in order to get a clearer picture of the sorts of things that matter to real estate professionals? Wow. Well, I think that is a perfect final sort of for statement or, or challenge to our audience. Um, and in some ways, this this might be my, um, well, certainly an unfortunate type of conversation to have, but maybe the most important conversation I've ever had on this show. So I appreciate, oh, wow. Chris, you, you be well, and, and I mean, we, we focus on helping people build their business and, and mm -hmm. you and I mostly talk about that. And we, we know how to do that. And, and it's, I think we're effective there. Um, but we, we stretched ourselves today to talk about some uncomfortable truths. And yeah. um, I, I, I hope our listeners appreciate it. I'm sure they will and or have. Um, mm -hmm. But um, I want to remind everyone out there to please, uh, you know, if, if, if you're interested in, in what Chris had to say, and, and you should be because he's got a lot of, I think, amazing thoughts around all sorts of ideas and topics uh, around real estate, please uh, visit theclose.com. 
and and read uh, from from their wonderful editors who who write. Um, they, they publish just a handful of articles a week, and they're always really long form articles. They're good articles. Uh, it, it's the best. Um, the best website I've seen for real estate agents really looking to improve. So um, I, I couldn't be a bigger fan. So if everyone, you know, goes to the close.com and, and checks out, you know, their most recent articles, subscribe to their newsletter, uh, your, your business is, is going to improve because they are thought leaders, but they're also um, thought provocateurs and, and they're able to bring you, um, you know, different ideas and strategies that, that maybe you, you hadn't thought of before that you needed reminding of and you already knew. So mm -hmm. Go to theclose.com. Um, Chris, it was a pleasure on behalf of the audience for, for having you on. As, as per usual, you're a, a fantastic guest. We're thrilled to have you. And on behalf of Chris and myself to the audience, we say thank you. Uh, we hope everyone is, is safe and healthy and, and also uh, social distancing still. I, nobody in Chicago is wearing a mask anymore. So I'm, uh, I'm a little uh, worried about that. But uh, hope everyone's safe and healthy and um, doing their best to to make this uh, their little corner of the world a little better. So um, Chris, thanks again, and we'll see you next month. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, DJ.